Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Kansas City Jazz keyboardist, composer, and producer Vincent Orsolini. He's a big part of the Kansas City band Everyday Strangers, and he's relieved that clubs and venues are opening back up. We talked to him about his history in music, COVID, and the future. He was born in San Francisco, grew up in the south of France, and studied jazz at a conservatory for 14 years. His passion for music and composition grew exponentially after working with local artists on albums and songwriting, incorporating his jazz roots with other genres that go from funk, soul, pop, and rock. He sees Kansas City as a hidden gem in the middle of the map and talks about that and more. Enjoy the story. And thanks for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it was uh, absolutely a, a pleasure to receive your email the other day and, and be a part of one of the Kansas City uh, staples. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of it. Right on, man. Thank you. And, you know, I guess I want to start off. I caught you down at the Blue Room with Everyday Strangers, and uh-huh. that's the thing that's so great about what's going on <laughs> in the Kansas City scene is that there's always this um, potpourri of, of, of things that are happening that I love running into, especially in a live environment. So, Absolutely. you know, you've been getting, yeah, and you've been getting some ink lately. So, you know, you're, you're one of the bonafide staples of this Kansas City jazz scene. So I guess first and foremost, talk to me a little bit about as we are kind of getting towards the tail end of the pandemic, live shows, uh-huh. what's been going on with you? What are you doing lately? Gosh, many things, Joe. Um, <laughs> The pandemic really the game for the music industry, I think, significantly. You know, we're forced to, you know, stay indoors and go back to our studios and, and figure an alternate way of performing music. But we really utilize that time as artists and, um, you know, as musicians to craft a new way of doing music, you know, and live streaming. And But we realized that something was missing significantly, which was, you know, the live performance and being able to perform in front of an actual real audience. So through that time, we found ways to to recreate the wheel and make it spin in a different way. And so now that the pandemic is over after doing, you know, all that work in studio, it's about to really just, you know, explode in terms of what we're about to do. We are currently, with Everyday Strangers, wrapping up, uh, many of the different projects that we've been doing throughout the pandemic, whether it be our personal album, which is about to come out, the Out of Time album, but we've also been working on other projects uh, in collaboration and partnerships with many uh, different musicians from the Kansas City area, as well as many different venues. We work really closely with a lot of the uh, Arts KC Foundation, the Charlotte Street Foundation. We work with a lot of jazz musicians from the Vine. Uh, whether they come through the jam session at the Blue Room or the Mutual Musicians Foundation. So the band, as individuals, we're very invested in the community, but as a band, we're invested in the community as well. And what, one of the things that we strive for as, as everyday strangers is this openness to collaboration, this this idea that we're all in this together. And so it really puts an emphasis on the idea of inclusiveness of the arts, uh, whether it be musically, obviously, or uh, whether it be a different type of uh, discipline, whether it be uh, artistically like sculpting, whether it be painting, whether it be a form of dance, or whether it be, you know, the, the, the assimilation of all of those forms of arts together. So really what we put the emphasis on as Everyday Strangers is that idea of collaboration and pushing that ideology out there uh, in order to allow many of uh, the artists in our Kansas City metro area to have that platform to join us and to make bigger shows and to have a more significant impact 
on the metro area. So that's something that we've been cooking throughout the pandemic, really, and, and pushing as an idea uh, since the very beginning, but the pandemic kind of accelerated that idea. And so here we are now in 2022. Um, we, we a couple studios that we operate out of. We have plenty of musicians that have come through uh, the studio, have recorded with us, have performed with us live, or performed with us throughout uh, the strange room live uh, strain series. And now we're about to perform live again every uh, second and fourth Thursday at the Phoenix. We're going to perform uh, at the Blue Room opening again for the jam session. We perform uh, whenever we can at the Mutual, Mutual Musicians Foundation and support that venue as well. Um, so we, we're kind of, you know, in all these different areas <laughs> pushing that, that passion for music that we have um, because it really is our full-time job. It really, it really, truly is our full time job. So, cool. I know that maybe a lot. <laughs> no, it's, no, that's great. Yeah. That's that. That gives me a nice backdrop here. Do you have any recordings that are on the burner right now to release with Everyday Strangers? We do. So we have our our very first release. So one of the things that we do um, do strive for is the is the is the um, the soundscape of our recording. So we released um, our first single, Trippy which is the, the pre predecessor to the album Out of Time on Spotify and all the, the, the platforms. And then Too Raw, which is our second single, has been released in uh, December. And now coming up at the end of this week, actually, uh, Casey Strutt, which is a big part of Kansas City's, of our, a big representation of Kansas City, um, is going to come out by the end of the week. Um, and we are very excited to share with everybody. This is the third single off the album, Out of Time. Uh, and it comes with a little bonus at the end as well. Um, so that is, that is going to be put on, uh, all the social media platforms. We're going to, we're going to share it with you guys, but, uh, it comes all together as a, as a, you know, as the, as the singles kind of release over the next few months, they, they'll all come together and it's part of this universe of what is everyday strangers. Psych jazz. Well, you have an interesting background. You were born in San Francisco, raised in the south of France. You've mm -hmm. obviously had music in your blood for a long time. So talk to me a little bit about growing up and how all of the ge geography and just this love of music has been woven into your biography. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, absolutely, Joe. Ever since I was a kid, really, um, really, even in the womb, you know, I, I think I... I I was I was blessed with uh, my parents' love of music, their sh sharing of what they used to listen to. Um, you kind of just passed on to me, and I think to a certain extent, even my entire family. I would say not just my immediate family, but my extended family. I come from a from a very artistic family and multi you know disciplinary um, of the arts, whether it be design, whether it be music, whether it be painting, drawing. Uh, my family's quite creative on on both ends um so i was pretty much immersed in, in in a very creative and artistic environment at a very young age but somehow a piano <laughs> found its way interestingly enough and, and i tell a lot of my my fellow musicians about this and they, they you know they asked me so so you started with piano and actually no i started with trombone <laughs> that was my very first instrument was trombone and I tell this story now because it's, it's actually funny. And in the south of France, so I went to the conservatory at a very young age, like seven years old. 
I'd say six, seven years old. I started with trombone, and, and my dad had an old trombone he got from a, from a thrift, thrift store um, out in California. Brought it back to France. So I took a few classes, and the teacher was amazing, and I was learning. But in the, in the actual room itself, there was a, an upright piano. And I remember every time he would step out of the room to go get some copies of some, you know, lead sheets or whatever, I would play the piano. I wouldn't do, I wouldn't play my, my trombone. I would go on the piano. So after, I don't know how many times <laughs> he decided, he was like, well, maybe trombone is not your instrument, maybe piano is. Somehow, you know, recommended me to classical piano. So they moved me to classical piano. And obviously me and my love of the Beatles and uh, and <laughs> and rock at the time, I was playing a lot of those cover songs and my teacher wanted to instruct classical music, but I was more in the improvisation side of, of playing piano. So then I was moved to jazz. So it was a very short little intermediate time where I did a little bit of classical piano and then they moved me to jazz and that's when my whole world exploded. At a very young age, of course, it was probably closer to like eight or nine. So it, it was immersed in, instilled in me at a very young age. And then when I hit jazz, that's when my whole world kind of opened up and I was able to kind of bring both of the, the rock, pop, soul, and all that funk that I that I loved listening to from, you know, Stevie Wonder, Prince, the Beatles, all that incredible influence that came from those artists. And then now jump back to like the 40s and 50s and, and 60s and play these incredible tunes from Bud Powell and 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 Dizzy Gillespie and and it was just it was it was quite a quite an incredible shock, but also a, a, a fusion of all those genres in me and then, and then obviously I I dove in a lot more depth into the jazz field listening to Chick Corea and and Herbie Hancock Michelle Petrucciani all these incredible uh, pianists that inspired me at a very young age so I was really like immersed in that universe and just touched by by how profound jazz was and how much how much of all these genres revolved around jazz from like the age of probably seven to eight until you know 10 10 years later so um i was you know at the conservatory in france studying jazz with an incredible mentor and i i i just fell in love with music and i knew i knew i knew at a very young age that that this was what i wanted to do i was already writing songs um, I was already composing, singing. I, I knew that's something that I wanted to do. It just, as as I moved forward into my career, it just solidified itself uh, naturally. And I knew that, that that was my calling to collaborate and create music and to compose. And so I just pursued that avenue with all the energy that I that I have and, and all the creative passion that I have. So, and you know, in between all that, I did <laughs> other things in, in, in the, you know, studied sound engineering, uh, did post production, live live uh, live engineering, post production, sound editing, uh, voiceover. Uh, you know, I did. I've done a, quite a few things in the south of France with studios over there, and before I moved to KC. But it's kind of a interesting <laughs> story. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, what was the first live jazz show that you saw that really blew you away? First, time, that's a fantastic question, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That was the first show that I saw. Well, there's a few that I saw online. I saw a lot of the the the, the, the Gena, the Marciac. But one of the one of the shows that I that I really enjoyed was I went to see Brad Meldau um, in the south of France, where it was a it was a very small show. It was somewhere around Aix-en-Provence, and it was or it was around that area. It was a 
small little town, I can't remember the name, but it was a quite an intimate show. And I was sitting right in front, and Brad was just immersed in his piano. And Brad now now is kind of in another other universe in the way he plays. And I remember he had done a cover yeah. of Blackbird uh, on the piano. He had done a, a, a jazz rendition of it, and I was amazed at the quality of the chords he was playing and the way he played. And I was like, wow, I didn't think you could take a, such a simple song, which is not so simple, Blackbird by the Beatles, and transform it into this extremely beautifully complex jazz arrangement. So I was standing in front and watching and observing his trio perform, and I was taken away by, by Brad by Brad's playing, and I always was, uh, you know, ever since I heard one of his first few albums, and then just kind of dug a little deeper. But that's one of them. To be honest with you, Joe, one of the also incredible events was one that I had right here in Kansas City, maybe just a couple years uh, into me moving here. I saw Chick Corea. He's, he's definitely one of my inspirations. In, in, in playing the piano, one of the most incredible pianists of all time, I would say, for me. And I met him, I spoke to him a little bit, and I saw him play. He was performing with his most recent trio. And I saw him face-to-face. There was almost no one there, and it was an incredible event. I remember they were playing, Layla Hathaway was playing on one side. It was This was on the 18th and the Vine. They, they blocked off the road. And he was playing on one, Layla Hathaway was playing on one end, and then Chick Corea was on the other. And it was quite a quite a, an experience as well i remember so that was that was a fun experience too here out in kansas city and that really that that also took me by by, by surprise and, and being able to see him so up close and so personal uh, that was quite a quite an experience i wish we would do this again in kansas city let me ask you this you know you've been kind of you talked about getting into sound engineering and you know being a musician there's been kind of this you know, double dipping of things. How has that helped you as a musician and vice versa? How do those work together to make you a more whole music organism? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, that's a fantastic question, Joe. Um, tremendously, I would say. The aspects of sound engineering and production really, truly go hand in hand when it comes to tying the knot over the final product that you're going to display to the world over the final results of your song or the or the complete project um it really ties the knot into into putting it out there before you before you release it so you you really learn some of the key elements that will will make or break a mix per se quote unquote um this is just you know in in a general sense you you get a chance to learn all the fundamentals that there are in mixing and mastering and engineering and as a musician it's a bonus because not only are you a musician and you're the creator of that song but you're able to implement or foreshadow certain things that you know uh, on a compositional uh, scale uh, may clash at, at the final result of a mix it, it can it can be very complex <laughs> at the end of the day I, but it, but it is a it is an asset at the same time, and it is also sometimes a <laughs> kind of a a struggle because you you can be extremely critical of yourself as an artist, and also be very critical about the mix and the quality of your mix. So it can make things a little bit more difficult, but it also, on the other hand, helps facilitate uh, the job of your you engineering the song or any other engineer that's going to come after 
that may collaborate or participate in the projects, it makes the job easier for them because you kind of know and you can foreshadow what troubles you may have in the recording process all the way from the final mastering process. So it, it really does help tremendously. And I do recommend uh, musicians to dabble into that. And I think nowadays uh, accessibility to tutorials, accessibility to more and more online and virtual lessons help. I, when I did my sound engineering, it was in person. So, you know, you can immediately ask questions and you could have hands-on experience on different types of equipment and gear, would it be a live mixing table or a virtual mixing table. Um, so that was also a big bonus in, in learning in person. But now with the accessibility of all that knowledge, I think it's important for a musician to have an opportunity to dabble into the sound engineering aspects, even if it isn't in depth, because it is in itself an incredibly vast world to mix and to understand sound as just the basic principles of sound. But when you do dabble into both worlds, it'll allow you to have a, a, a broader perspective on those two universes and then bring them together in such a way that will really, like I said earlier, tie the knot on your mixes, tie the knot on your mastering process, and really just finish out your project in, in a really neat way. When did you arrive here in Kansas City and how did you begin getting yourself woven into the music community here? I got here about six years ago. <laughs> I moved here uh, six years ago. My experience in Kansas City has been nothing but exceptional. I really fell in love with the city. I fell in love with the people of the city, and I fell in love with uh, the incredibly deep-rooted jazz culture that emanates from this town. It is one of the most incredible places that I have been to, and I've traveled quite a bit in, in, in the States. And compared to Los Angeles, it, it, is something, it is a completely different universe or compared to San Francisco or even compared to France. But one of the similarities, and a lot of people tell me, are you, are you crazy or in what way is that true? I'd say that Kansas City is closer to Marseille in terms of uh, city and life, lifestyle and, and people, even though Marseille is a bigger city, it, it is a lot closer in that humanness than a bigger bigger city like Los Angeles or San Francisco. And so uh, I was able to make a lot of similarities or find a lot of similarities <laughs> between uh, the two. And so I, I, I really dug a little bit deeper into that and I, and I found that, that there are a lot, of, a lot of those similarities. So working with the community was something that I, that I, like I was mentioning earlier, something that I strive for. And so when I first landed here, you know, I was kind of just, you know, going to jam sessions, figuring out a little bit the heartbeat of this town. Um, and after only a few times, it, it wasn't very difficult to to <laughs> not only play and perform, but it it was it wasn't difficult to start making these connections. And I and I found that absolutely wonderful. And the love and care that musicians have for each other, and the support of the arts is something that that is definitely present. And is, is going to be more and more present uh, in the in the, in the near future with all this push that we're doing uh, between all of us. So there's a lot of there's a lot of different aspects that that are so attractive of the city that I love, Joe. <laughs> so so let's get a little bit deeper into that. What do you like the best about both Kansas City as a city and being a part of the jazz scene here? I think Kansas City harbors it's this kind of this hidden gem. In, in the middle of the of the country, um, you know, a lot of people truly, truly don't 
don't necessarily know what, what is going on here, um, unfortunately. And, and so it's, it's really this hidden gem that harbors incredible talent. One of the things that I that, that I that I realize is that we, we definitely don't push that enough. We're not pushing the arts nearly enough and and advocating for the incredible talent that we have here. So that's one of the things that I'm trying to do through uh, magazines, through live interviews, is express how much talent there is out here, how much opportunity there is here, and how this is a melting pot of cultures within the United States, but also throughout the world. A lot of people from around the world are traveling through Kansas City or settling in Kansas City. So I think that KC is really a truly hidden gem. And so in, 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 in the contrast to Marseille, I would say that jazz is definitely a big emphasis. Kansas City is really, you know, it is it is a blues. There is a lot of blues in this town, but jazz is its, its, its number one genre. And so that's a big, that's a big emphasis on, on the town itself and on promoting what is within KC. So we, we should definitely, I say as a whole, as a town and as a city, we should push uh, to express all those um, aspects to the world, to, to the states and to the world as well. So on a personal level, what do you like the best about being a professional musician? What is it that you look forward to the most every day as a musician? Oh, gosh, many things. <laughs> many things, Joe. Um, being able to, I think one of the things that I love the most about, about being a professional musician is, is the ability to express your innermost personal thoughts on whatever it is, whatever subject matter it is, but the ability to express what is truly inside of you because when we create a piece, and I'm sure a lot of my fellow musicians can relate, when you create something out of nothing, you put pieces of yourself into that art. You put pieces of yourself into that work. To be able to share such an intimate piece of yourself with the world takes a lot of courage. But when you put it out there and it's received and people react to it in different ways, it is one of the most rewarding experiences you can have as a musician or as an artist. It is such an intimate craft. It is such an intimate experience uh, at its core, music, that when people receive it, like I said, when people experience what you've experienced through that musical piece, through that story you are telling, uh, it is one of the most rewarded things I have ever experienced in my life. And that's one of the, the most key elements I think we, we have as musicians is the reception of our art through others. And so we echo these pieces of ourselves. We, we send those little pieces of ourselves either through, you know, social media, through the world, or by performing live. And I think that instant reaction and the way people are looking at you on stage and vibing, moving, feeling the music at, at its core is beautiful. It's an absolutely beautiful thing to see and to feel. That's one of the most rewarding things I've experienced as a musician and as a composer. Um, because that's really, truly what I do is I, I compose music and I write songs that come from, you know, parts of me that I'm, I'm going through or, or states that I'm going through or life, you know, events. And, and we gather all these things as we move forward in our careers, as we move forward and we build experience and, and we grow. We gather all these little pieces and we, 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 we give a little part of ourselves back 
we, we give back to others. And so I think that's, that's one of the most rewarding things for me is being able to give back, you know, to feel and to be able to exchange the most sensitive, sensitive or uh, pieces of your soul to others, but also be able to give back and share the passion of music with others and allow them to take that piece and go along for their lives with that piece that you gave them. So that, I think that's, if, if that makes sense on, on a spiritual yeah. or, or philosophical level, if you may, that, that, I think that's one of the most rewarding things as a musician, and I'm sure a lot of other artists from different disciplines can, can attest to that as well, is, is if you leave an imprint on someone and they'll carry that for the rest of their lives, you've succeeded at your, at your job, you've succeeded at your craft. We're able to allow others to take a piece of it and go on their way with what you've given them, what you've offered them. You know, it's really truly a peace offering. It's, it's just peaceful. And uh, I think that's one of the most magical and, and most beautiful things you can, you can do as a, as a musician. So, you know, we've just passed this two-year mark of the pandemic, and obviously since it began, it's turned the live music world upside down, especially Kansas City. There's been so much that's happened. But I'm curious, you know, as the jazz community is reemerging now, and we all as the audience start getting back to it, all of us collectively, how do you see the jazz community not only rebounding but being stronger as we do come back and kind of reclaim being one of the hubs of jazz in this country, if not world? Uh-huh. Definitely, definitely. Like I was telling you earlier, um, it, it really changed the way we, we, we see music or we, or we visualize it or we hear it. Um, it I believe that it's coming back for sure in a different form, um, but the roots still there. The performance, the life reference is still there. I think that the pandemic accelerated the development of new ways of making music, uh, whether it be the formation of the types of bands. You'll see that now um, you incorporate different um, different types of formations that you wouldn't see standard. Uh, whether it be duets or trios with uh, accessories that allow you to have a bigger sound, um, the way the way the music, the live performance, uh, you know, scene is changing is 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 adapting to the new uh, modern jazz slash you know retro vintage uh, jazz that you would hear back then. It, it kind of, I think, it really put a lot of creative minds together and just pushed this new this new avenue for a new style, a new type of jazz, a new uh, era. I think um, it's kind of a cycle. Music is kind of a, just like fashion, just like any form of art. I think things kind of come back to life, things turn around. And so you can see this growth and this emulation and this, and this, uh, this really incredible melting pot of genres that are starting to happen and people are bringing in their own taste and flavors within their performances. And I think that's what's, that's what's happening right now is instead of, of necessarily playing, and you still do have staples of jazz performances, you still have traditional jazz performances in Kansas City, which I think always will always be there and, and should always be there. Um, and, and I think um, the openness to a kind of a, of a, of a new genre or a side genre or, you know, this, this openness to merging these, these styles together is also happening in, in, in you know, as, as a parallel to that. And uh, I think Kansas City is a fantastic platform 
for that, that they can't see this is not only for me the capital jazz of the world, but it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic platform for those new genres to develop, for new artists artists to emerge. Um, and, and I think that's what I'm seeing more and more as I, as I venture out and listen to, to all my fellow musicians and, and see them perform live and, and support them, uh, support the local venues as well, and push and promote for that, you know, inclusiveness. I think I see and I hear uh, a lot of that happening in the, the melting pot of culture. I, I just finished releasing a single with um, uh, my friend Kadesh Flo, and we did a, a, a single called Future X, and, and it actually is all about that aspect of merging jazz and rap together. Uh, and it's some, it, it, it isn't a new concept, but it is something that is coming back. It is something that I think is going to also change and evolve over time. But that's kind of the aspects that I'm that I'm that I'm saying are happening in Kansas City is is that openness to uh, those different genres and those different collaborations, jazz, rap, funk, rap, um, you know, psych jazz, which is what we're we're kind of pioneering with with the band Everyday Strangers is, is this new genre that kind of encapsulates all those aspects from funk, soul, R&B, rock, um, you know, fusion. You have all those genres; they're there, and they all have their different sounds. And now we have a platform in Kansas City to be able to uh, to express that new genre, that new style that is coming back to life. And hopefully more and more venues will open up. Hopefully more and more platforms will be available by pushing in that direction in Kansas City for us to be able to express that form of art, to be able to express that new genre. So that's really truly what I'm pushing for is the opportunity uh, through our band, Everyday Strangers, through my studio, through different partnerships with venues and and city um city events to open up that platform to open up um those those stages for new artists and collaborations of styles and genres to happen because this is definitely going to be an incredible place to do that and kc is definitely going to be a, a a hot spot and i'd like to to, to really put an emphasis on that that it is a it is an incredible hidden gem in the middle of our country so everyone has a perception of you, an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your fans, but ultimately you live your life. <laughs> you have a perception of you. Who do you think you are? Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very deep, uh, deep question. So, yes. Um, I like it. I like it. Um, that's the therapy question. <laughs> that's the therapy question. Who are you? Mm -hmm. um, no, I appreciate the question. Um, that, that's a very... It's a very good one. I, I I truly hope that I can inspire um, others to step outside of their comfort zone, step outside into the light uh, to be able to express themselves and express what they truly have to say. I think one of the things that I realize is the hardest part of the music industry sometimes is being able to fully be yourself. Um, one of the things that happen is, is this, this kind of pseudo conditioning that happens where you seem to be forced into a category or forced to be a part of a certain uh, group of people or a certain group of genres or only, you know, fit in certain aspects. And, and I think the music industry puts that kind of pressure on you um, and doesn't necessarily help or allow you to be uh, the true full artist that you are. So I think that one of the things that uh, I see myself as is, is the, the kind of the breaker 
of those chains. I, I, I want to be the uh, one of the pioneers or the or the heads of those changes that are going to happen in the in, in the industry or in the musical developments of our city in Kansas City. Um, I, I'd like to push what I what I really see myself as doing is pushing for that breaking of those boundaries, breaking of those chains, the growth of our musical uh, the growth of our musical culture here and the, the expansion of what we do as a, as a city and as musicians from Kansas City all throughout the world. So it's really about it's really about the people. It's really about the musicians. It's about working together. One of the things that I tell every person that I meet, and every everybody that I work with, is that whomever I I work with, I believe in, and I push uh, all the way to the next level. And I and I really hope to spread that idea that we're all in this together, and we should collaborate, and we should work together. And it's together that we succeed. It's this togetherness. It's this unity. Uh, and it's this collaboration that allows us to push even harder and have a more significant impact on the music industry. Um, a lot of a lot of you know, Kansas City's musicians sometimes are polarized around the city, and so my hope is that I can help unite them and bring us a little bit closer together every time, as you know, into this into this incredible group of extremely talented artists, uh, creators, um, and innovators. Uh, and that's really what I'm pushing is for innovation, is for a new way of doing things, a new approach to music. Um, there will always be the good old ways. There will always be new ways. And it's about always trying to break those boundaries and allow us to uh, to innovate, to create, to push for something new. And that's what's happening. And I'm, hope, I'm hoping that's what I can do on a professional and personal level with all the fellow musicians that I work with, with all the people that I work with, from all different types of professions is I always strive to push, to create, to innovate, and to work together and collaborate on a bigger scale. Right on. Vincent, hey man, thank you for opening up. Thanks for taking a minute out. I appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you out on the scene more. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this interview, Joe. I, I, I really love being able to share my story and, and be able to collaborate with you on this podcast. And I hope that I can... Uh, that I can continue to to help out and be a part of the community uh, as much as I can and, and be back on the show soon. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in San Francisco, Los Angeles, France, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Vincent for his time, music, and cool. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.